Holiday House Books for Young Readers, Peachtree Publishing Company, and Pixel and Inc. present Mark J. Gregson, author and Vikas Adam, audiobook narrator of book one of the Above the Black trilogy, Sky's End. In conversation with Peachtree Publishing Editor, Jonah Heller. Hello, I'm Jonah Heller, editor of Peachtree and Peachtree Team. On today's episode of The Guest Book, we're talking with sensational debut author Mark J. Gregson an esteemed audiobook narrator, Vikas Adam, as we discuss the thrilling New York Times best-selling young adult fantasy novel, Sky's End. Sky's End is a gripping dystopian fantasy set on islands floating above toxic black clouds. 16-year-old Conrad strikes a daring deal to rescue his sister from his murderous uncle. In exchange, Conrad must bring glory to his family name by entering the selection of the Twelve Trades. Selected by Hunter, the deadliest trade of them all, Conrad faces manipulative peers, mutiny, and deadly sky serpents as he competes in a kill-or-be-killed competition to rise to the very top. Book one of the Above the Black Fantasy Trilogy, Sky's End is available now in hardcover, ebook, and audio. Our book's narrator is Vikas Adam. Vikas is a classically trained actor with numerous credits in stage, film, and commercials, and television. In addition to over 500 audiobooks, his narrations have garnered several awards and nominations, including the Audiophile Earphones Awards, various Best of the Year lists, and the Audio Award. He was also an inaugural inductee into the Audible Narrator Hall of Fame. Vikas has established himself as one who creates versatile, distinct, and clear voices for the characters he embodies, which they beautifully demonstrate in the audiobook of Sky's End, published by Listening Library. Hello, Vikas. Welcome to the guest book. Hello. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And for our author, Mark J. Gregson attended the University of Utah, where he graduated cum laude and received his Bachelor of Arts in English teaching. Mark's pursuit of learning has led him to, into the classroom, where he teaches middle school English. If you've been following along on social media, you might recognize Mark and his debut novel, Sky's End, from the viral Instagram reels of his cover reveal. And Sky's End was included on most, on multiple most anticipated lists for new YA in the new year. It also received three starred reviews, pretty cool there, and it made a fantastic debut, of course, as an instant New York Times bestseller. All thanks, of course, to the book's incredible and dedicated readership. Mark, welcome to the guest book. Thank you, Jonah and Vikas. This is super exciting. Can't wait to deep dive into so Sky's excited. End and chat with you guys some more. <laughs> We're going to have so much fun. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, we're going to begin our discussion for Sky's End in familiar territory to both of you guys in the classroom. Mark, I just mentioned you've been teaching middle school English in Utah, introducing you know the young folk and the bright minds to literature and writing over the years. Um, and you've been sharing this journey with your students um, as you've been going, which has been so incredible to watch on your social medias, just you with your students sharing your goals and it's coming true in front of them and that must have just felt so incredible for both you and your students right yeah absolutely this journey has been incredibly surreal it's been so fun to share um, the experiences and the wins um, with my students after you know working so very hard for so very long um, it, i think that it's a good model i hope for students to be able to follow to chase the things that make them happy and, you know, we only get to live once. And so go for it. See what happens. So you're walking through the halls in school now. It's like the set the picture. You're into your, your school halls now. 
and you're this New York Times bestselling author. Does Mr. Gregson have more street cred? <laughs> um, I would say, you know, what's interesting about this school year versus in past school years, usually I get greeted by students who I'm teaching or I have taught in the past. But this year is the first year where kids who you know, don't know me are greeting me in the hallways. Oh, Normally, wow. like if I say hi to a kid in the hall and they don't know me, they just kind of look at me funny and hurry on. <laughs> but this year, their kids are actively like seeking me out. I, I even had this uh, interesting experience because the school has been positively buzzing about my book, especially the lead up to it. And then the kids who are reading it and trying mm -hmm. not to spoil um, for other kids who are still reading. Um, but I remember there was this one day a little sixth grader and I don't teach sixth grade this year he he had had a really rough day and I go hi bud how are you and he goes today was really rough but you know what my sister says and I go what's that she always says one day down is one day closer to sky's end coming out oh. um, so that just kind of like melted me into the floor and he was actually one of the very first students who came in um to get his copy signed for me so that was really a memorable experience. That's I'm still waiting to get so my adorable. copy signed. I actually need to get my copy <laughs> first and then get it signed. I have a question for you based on that, Mark. Um, are you? Do you have any uh, other students who are clamoring to be in your class now because um, I, of this? Do they get to choose? I, you know, well, they don't. They, it's kind of up to the counselors and the, and the office who gets to choose with their schedule. But there definitely are kids who. You know they want to be in my classroom but we have amazing english teachers at our school so i think they're oh, they're pretty cool. happy and then they can still see me because i do library visits and things like that at the school where they can come into our brown bag book club and such are bribes accepted <laughs> like well what do you like just bribe you to be in your class I'm, I'm imagining i'm imagining a christmas story you know where like all the, the where, where he like gives the big basket of like flour or, or like fruit to uh, his teacher when he writes his essay. And I'm one, I'm, I'm imagining these kids coming up and giving you these like amazing gifts. Can I be in your class? Can I be in your class? Well, I, I have <laughs> students who are actually, they have asked me, they want me to put them in one of the books and then they want me to kill their character, kill them oh, in the book gosh. in a very <laughs> horrific way. <laughs> That's definitely a possibility, I guess. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Uh, yeah, Mr. Grigson killed me, mom and dad, but I asked for it. So, you know, <laughs> oh, um, straight A's. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mark, how would you say your work as an educator has influenced, um, the way that you've approached writing for young adults? You teach middle grade, um, but you're writing, I would say a little bit older. So it's a little bit aspirational for, um, the readers that you're typically used to in your classroom. Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, one of the things that I think about and I learned when I was an early educator, if I give really robust uh, directions, that I will lose students. Mm -hmm. Like They just get lost in all of the directions and they don't know what to focus on. And so I've actually applied that sort of lesson of like chunking um, and taking my directions and, and chunking them. And if I apply that to my writing in the same way, especially because I write fantasy, um, there, there's a tendency in fantasy to have big exposition dumps that it's very easy to lose a reader. They get confused because there's too much. Um, and so I've tried to take that sort of idea in the classroom of chunking things 
you know, bit by bit and letting the reader discover things just like with my students are going to be discovering things. Um, so like, for example, when if you read Sky's End, there's some really awesome action sequences where they're hunting these gigantic monsters. And I hope as readers are, are reading these or listening to these moments that they're noticing that they're learning more and more about these sky serpents each and every time they run into them. It wasn't just thrown at them all at once. It was given piece by piece. Yeah, definitely. Um, and speaking of sky serpents, because when you were narrating this, were there any monsters that were just stood out to you like as like, oh, my God, that's terrifying? Because for me, it would be like the small ones, the little critter, critter creepy crawlies. But I wonder if you like felt the same. Uh, I think I think obviously the the major monsters are there, but I think the ones that really stood out for me were the human monsters. And I think what Mark so effectively does in this book is illustrate how complex the human psyche is and how complex as individuals each human being is. And so when when it comes time to really show an unroot evil and fear. He does it in the most unexpected places. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There are a lot of surprising twists and turns. Speaking of capturing the psyche, you as an audiobook narrator, because you also have some experience in the classroom. You mm -hmm. uh, have been a lecturer at UCLA. You've taught voice, acting, movement-based mm -hmm. studies, especially improvisation. Mm -hmm. um, how do you bring that to emboldening or breathing spirit into the psyche of a, of a character in the, in the audio booth, um, all those lessons? One, one of the things I'm teaching my students is there's that, and in all acting, it's, it's about keeping it fresh and keeping it spontaneous mm -hmm. and keeping it in the moment. And as audiobook narrators, we're kind of lucky that way because unlike a standard play or a film or any other media, we don't have weeks and weeks of rehearsal. Mm -hmm. We get one pass with the book. And so we you learn as you do it what you're looking for. And so that helps in the spontaneity and keeping it fresh. Were there like any characters that you really fell in love with as oh, you yeah. voiced them um, oh yeah yeah tell us tell for us. different reasons uh i'm not going to go into all of them but but i loved pound oh for uh, sure. yeah how yeah he's such a fun character uh sebastian um <laughs> you you gave mark you gave me a tough one with him with his with his voice because of the high the higher pitched uh direction that he, that he was called for and so that was a little that was actually a little scary for me because i was like how far can i go with it and i was just like you know what let's just go all the way and embrace it and especially considering who he is it was fascinating to to explore that with that voice that was because once you go you can only try it out so many times mm -hmm. when you're when you're quote unquote pre prepping and, and rehearsing for it but once you go, you go. It's like you got to you make a decision at the beginning of the book. You can't really change it completely <laughs> towards the end. Um, I loved Master Coco. Um, Bryce was a fascinating challenge for me, oh, yeah. but I loved her. Of course, Conrad. 
Yeah, our, our man Conrad. Um, Mark, what did you think about, what was your first impression when you heard Bacasa's uh, performance of all these characters? Well, the very first time I actually heard it, I was listening to it with my wife and we did like a reaction to it. And I got pretty emotional and the, the power of the way Vikas is like skies and, you know, it was really uh, powerful and it just hit me. Um, one of the things I really liked uh, that Vikas did such an amazing job of is as we peel back those layers and we start discovering who some of these characters are, like Sebastian, for example, where before he's kind of, you know, this brown, no brown noser. You don't realize just about how awful he really is. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that listening to Vikas um, perform that, that when he changes, when Sebastian changes, that Vikas's voice changes as he speaks and when Sebastian is really being Sebastian. He's revealed, fully revealed. Yeah. Um, I would also say one of the really cool things for me listening to the audiobooks, I have a lot of big audiobook listeners in my family. And they were super excited that we that we got an audiobook. And, you know, for me as an author, I've worked on this book for so long. And, you know, when I was first writing the book and I was going through the first like three or four drafts, it was like goosebumps after goosebumps writing it. But when you're up to like your 12th draft, it then just becomes, you know, a matter of your word choice. It just mm -hmm. becomes a matter of your plotting, your pacing. Are you disseminating information, you know, at the right, right pace? Um, and so you kind of lose the goosebumps after a while. Um, but what I really appreciated about Vikas's performance um, is that it brought back those early draft goosebumps that I was getting. Um, I highly suggest people listen to it. Uh, chapter 25 is a particular highlight. Um, and thank you, Vikas. You did a fabulous job. Vikas, why do you think readers or listeners are so drawn to like dystopia? Um, because you've narrated a number of uh, sci-fi mm -hmm. fantasy books like this mm -hmm. before, and just like what what's the pull? What's the draw? Well, I think us as humans were inherently drawn to conflict. That's number one. Mm -hmm. And where else could you have conflict but an entire world? That's exactly. that's just not that needs to be fixed. And we, I think, us 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 as as humans, we're always trying to, we're fascinated by puzzles and fixing what, you know, to whatever degree that that's going to be. And so the idea of a dystopian society, I think it draws conversation. It's like, it, 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 it brings up, how would I handle this in this situation? Mm -hmm. How would I quote unquote fix this? How would I apply myself? Um, were I in this world and the idea of a utopia, it's just such a, such a pipe dream because mm. i'm fascinated to what what constitutes a utopia what constitutes perfect i mean you have um, mark i'm sure you're having plenty of you can have plenty of conversations i think it's one of the uh if i recall i was in junior high when the idea of utopia was first introduced to me as an english student and 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 it blew my mind the idea of utopia dystopia so how long before a utopian society will start, that perfect society will start corroding and finding its way to a potential dystopia? So I think, I I, I just think it's just been a classic theme that we're just always going to be drawn to. Absolutely. Those themes of like examining just the society as it falls apart. And Mark, you, you totally can speak about that um, in, in your own work for sure. 
Well, I mean, I think like one of the reasons why readers are so drawn to dystopian is because hopefully our lives are a little bit better. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like I think about um, like I remember when Walking Dead was just like enormous and everybody mm -hmm. was talking about what would you do in a zombie apocalypse mm -hmm. like that made people excited. And so I think that that's the imagine. I think I have that conversation at least once a week. <laughs> Still. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I mean, we're, we're still having kids, you know, I'm teaching kids and, and I'm still having kids talk about that's their question. They ask each other, what would you do if zombies came into the school like tomorrow? What would you do? And then there's kids who they put more thought into that than they put into anything else. And so they have it all mapped out <laughs> on their on the phones when their hands are down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, speaking of world building, you know, this guy's end very accessible um very engaging plot it's chock full of consequential themes um you've got underdog finding your own family yeah. and uh having to make difficult morally great decisions is a really interesting part of that dystopian aspect what inspired you mark to sort of create this fantasy world or it is so cutthroat and you do have to like you know kick all those crabs in the bucket down you know to get to the top and you know it's 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 a kind of a brutal universe, but it's also deeply fascinating. So what what was the source of inspiration for all this? Well, you know, my my anytime I'm trying to build a new fantasy world, I always start with some sort of rhetorical question, like, wouldn't it be cool if? And then but then I have to answer that with some type of logic. And so the first question I asked myself was, wouldn't it be cool if? I threw this world up into the sky and they're floating islands and everything. And then, so I had to ask myself, well, why are those islands floating? And then I had to ask myself, how, how do people get from island to island? And then I had to ask myself, okay, well, what makes this world different than our own? And so then that started developing the dueling system, the selection system. I tried to come up with answers that were cool. Okay, so what's in between the islands? Well, there's there's got to be giant monsters. That's what's sure. got to be there. Yeah. And then if there's giant That's monsters, good. how do they handle them? But why are the giant monsters there? Are they just part of some sort of ecosystem that it's just that's the way that it is? Or is there another reason? Maybe you'll have to check out the book for that. But um, yeah, so it's always just a series of questions and answers. And that really was where I wanted to explore that um with the story itself I, I really wanted to create characters that sort of sailed into moral grayness throughout the book and that it was sometimes it was difficult and i hope that when readers are reading it sometimes they're wondering if they're making the right decision if they're doing the right thing um but we can't judge them by our society because they live in a completely different world and a completely different set of values Tell us a little bit more about the selection process that you just mentioned. Oh, yeah. So there's the selection system is where like teenagers can enter in between the ages of 16 to 19 to be selected by one of the 12 trades. And the cool thing about the selection system, because in the Skylands, if somebody wants to rise, they go through it's called their meritocracy. And if they want to rise, then they express their brute strength and they beat other people and they take their statuses and they rise and rise and rise. So like a low, you know, for example, you know, could theoretically 
you know, elevate themselves all the way up to, you know, the highest high. They could be the king, the queen, the sovereign or whatever. Um, it, probably not very likely, but there is always that possibility there. Um, but as I, I was developing this world, I realized that there was a gap there. You couldn't just have a society only run by people who happen to be really good at hitting other people. And so uh, I started filling in the gaps. Okay, what what is missing in this world? And that's what about the intelligent people? And there might be people who are both simultaneously very athletic and powerful and then also highly intelligent. They would need a way to be able to rise and, and elevate their status and not have it taken away by somebody who happened to just be more physically impressive than they are. And so the selection itself became a matter of filling in the gaps that would have been lost in the meritocracy. So for example, if there's this big brute who does not know how to lead an island, for example, mm -hmm and rises all the way up to become the duke of his island, he may not know how to lead it. And he may not even be interested in leading it. And so that's where like the trade of politics would come in, is where you'd have somebody who either could act in an advisory role or essentially just turn this guy into somebody who signs papers for him and signs off on things. That so I was nice. looking, yeah. look, looking for the gaps that I could fill in. And then, you know, other interesting quirks like Hunter, which exists hunting mm -hmm. those giant beasts i think politics like i said this on your social media i was like oh my god politics when you finally revealed it you were slowly revealing your trades on social media with this cool um sticker campaign that we did um for your pre-order campaign and then you were introducing and describing them all and you got to politics it's like oh my god that's that's the trade i would totally want to be in because it's the man behind the curtain right like you can you're a little you're safer I would totally be a lotcher. I'm not gonna lie. And a lotcher, as we know, is somebody in the Skylands who, you know, they're high status, but you know, they didn't really work hard for it, kind of. And you know what? I, I would be okay with being that. Um, just because, you know, it's safe. It's nice and safe. But how about you, Vikas? What What would you hope to be selected? Okay, the easy answer would be okay, art. Yeah. Okay, but that's like the easy. That's like a boring answer. So, like for entertainment's sake. I would be disposal, which is totally fiction because I'm like, look at, I can't camp um, because I don't do anything in nature. But let's just say disposal for fun because that could be a power play move, if anything, because you piss me off, I will stop up your pipes there and you I don't care who you are. So I think... Yeah, let's for 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 giggles. Let's just say let's just say uh, disposal. I think there's something interesting about that disposal. I don't know if I don't no, know how much I want to say about there's it. There's something stinky about there it. There is not... something stinky about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's also powerful to be able to control all that stink. Yeah, powerful. To, yes, yes. yes. Um, what are some of the other trades, Mark? Well, there's so there's art, there's agriculture, there's mm -hmm. hunter, there's order, there's explorer, scholar, law, politics, waterworks. Uh, I think we just mentioned disposal. Do they cry a lot? Just waterworks cry a lot. <laughs> I mean, maybe if the job's hard. Yeah, they're they're in charge of the water supply and making sure because you know the the islands themselves. Their only way, how are they going to be able to get water? It's only going to be mm -hmm. through like rain rainfall or things coming down from the mountains. Yeah. And so there's going to be some places in the islands that are going to have less access to water. So you're going to need these giant water ships that come from waterworks that transmit or move the water. What about? Let me work? tell you, I was ready for when I was reading this and prep. I was just so 
in awe of your world building. I'm waiting for the illustrated companion guide to all of this mm-hmm. um, to see the world, to see to see the different islands, to see each of the trades um, represented. I'm fascinated by this. You know, I had I had a lot of fun when I was uh, designing the Skylands, and I was making the decision when I was designing the selection, and I was creating Conrad. I was trying to decide what trade would pick Conrad. And that was a very big decision because it would completely change the story. Mm -hmm. And it ended up becoming between Hunter and Order. And those were the two trades that I really, like at one point I actually was writing that he was going to get picked by Order. Mm. And then- Oh, wow. And then by like, just my instinct said, no. We're going to, we're going to try Hunter. He's going to go into Hunter. We're going to see what that is. So I think it would be really interesting to explore um, Order and Sky War and Sky It would have been a different book then, right? It would have been, it would have been a completely different story. Um, Maybe less dangerous, which Mm -hmm. was part of the reason why I decided to go with, with Hunter, um, which is pretty awesome. I can't wait until you get like a lot of fan art in. I'm just like waiting to see it. You yeah, so I'd love to know how like the readers picture it themselves. So like if you, I mean if you've got some cool skills, you know, you think you're an art select, definitely show us show us some skills and show us what you think these trades look like. Definitely. Yeah, I've I've been getting so I have like a wall in my classroom of, oh, of wow. fan art from my students, which is like amazing, um, and it's still continuing to build. I actually have a student who's she's doing a wiki fandom page for the Above the Black oh, series. And so um, when she's a little further along, she gave me the okay to share it on socials because it's pretty cool. She's like pulling out quotes. She's even going and diving into my like social media and finding things that I've said on social media and quoting me. So she's, she's using the strategies I've taught about how to use citations, but um, (laughs) I've had several comments on social media from people who are like, I can't wait to see the fan art. I'm like, are you good at art because i would like to see it if you have it (laughs) um and then mark what would you what trade did you say what trade you would want to be selected in you know that's that's a tough question so i guess i'm kind of split um as a teacher scholar makes sense to me Mm -hmm. as an author art makes sense to me but often in these trades because of the meritocracy and the brutal society in which they live in these trades are more dangerous than you would initially seem and highly competitive like mm-hmm. you know when i was writing about art there was like one artist who killed another by shoving a, a paintbrush down his throat kind of thing like murdered him oh and so like art is like competitive oh they, they'll plagiarize each other and try to steal each other's art and then pass it off as their own um oh, and so then it's like the real world <laughs> <laughs> oh did i say that out loud <laughs> it, it, Inspired it's, by. it's pretty cutthroat so uh you know, I'm kind of split between those two. I think as an interest um, for me, Explorer would be a very, very fun trade. And if you like Explorer, then that might be something you'll see a little bit more of in, in the sequel. But um, yes. Explorer off, you know, charting the uncharted airs and finding treasure and finding new islands and things like that. All of that um seems very, very exciting, especially for an introvert, you know, because they go off on ships by themselves and then they go and they, they, they can be these eccentric, you know, sort of weird people that go off and 
find their own discoveries and then hoard them. Very, very cool. Um, another aspect of this world building is your dueling system, Mark. In order to rise, somebody's got to fall. And that often involves these brutal dueling fights. Tell us a little bit about more about that. Well, I was reading a book several years ago. It's called Golden Sun by Pierce Brown. And there was a moment in the book where the character has a duel with somebody else. And I loved the way that that made me feel. And I wanted, that's actually kind of where I started thinking, I need to create a dueling system that goes more than just for like your honor, but it has something else at stake as well. It's your, it's your family, it's your job, it's your, your, your whole status. And so that's actually where it kind of originated from. And then it expanded and exploded into a whole whole society built around it. And then it, it became really fascinating as, you know, like the people of the Skylands, the way that they walk around, like with their, with their, with their canes attached to their hips as a, you know, as a way of showing just how big and tough they are. And they're always constantly trying to intimidate one another, not in just a way that they want what somebody else has, but maybe they also want to deter people from coming after the things that they have. Um, and then you have your lotchers, which Jonah said he'd be one of those those lotchers. I would. Um, the, I would. Shame, <laughs> the people shamelessly. Who, the people who are not like they might have a really nice status, but they're going to pay somebody else to go and face the the challenges for them, the dueling challenges. They're going to go pay a mercenary to do that, so they can sit prim and proper in the bleachers. Exactly. And, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to join you, Jonah. Oh, would you and be a, a fellow? A yes, fellow could we lotch together? Hey, and... Let's make a whole like political lotcher alliance. I'm totally like, I'm ready. yes, let's please. Like monsters and stuff. Exactly. Like we don't need to shoot the monsters. We're gonna nope. pay people to do that. Mm -hmm. So, Mark, you actually did a really cool exercise with your students in a classroom with a dueling system, didn't you? Have them like I don't think you had them beat each other with broomsticks. Oh, but you... okay. I got excited a bit. <laughs> not something so violent as I was that, thinking but... I was thinking I was like suddenly it was like the Lord of the Flies yes <laughs> but only but... one of you gets an A <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so in the library um I, when I do my library visits I do a couple of them a year and I actually went in and I first taught my students about like the meritocracy, the high, middle, and the low status. Mm -hmm. And then I ask for volunteers. And then the kids will come up and then I randomly, I have a piece of paper that says high, middle, or low. And then they come up and then they randomly grab one. And then I tell a story, I, I make it into a narrative. And I'm like, and then I use the student's name and I say, such and such is a low. And he spent his whole life in the gutters and he is starving and ready and hungry for something more. And so he sees, and then I choose the person who's in the middle, this person, and he thinks, I want what that person has. And they seem pretty weak to me. They seem like prime prey, like prime opportunity. I think I could beat them in a duel. And so then I continue the story and the narrative there where they do face each other. Now they're not going to actually duel or hit each other. Um, but then I'll say, okay, now they have a duel. And then I say, oh, the middle, you die. You don't survive this duel. And so then the middle falls down dead and has to lay there and then everybody snickers. <laughs> and then our low takes that status from the dead middle and it's now a middle. And then I tell the story of that middle who goes and challenges the high. And then we're like, it's this big thing, had to wait months, had to prepare, 
build up your strength and, and, and eat well and all of those things and be ready for this really fearsome high. And then they have this really vicious duel and miraculously somehow the middle manages to overcome the high. And then at that point, instead of killing the high to demonstrate, I take the, the middle takes the high status and then that high goes and picks up the low status and falls all the way to the bottom. So it's a really good demonstration for the students to actually see yeah. it in action. And then I segue after that into the selection system. And then I have kids come up and then they have to come and they draw, they get selected by. And so then they come up and they hold them up and then I tell them what their responsibilities are. Some of them are pretty excited. You know, I had one kid who actually got disposal and he was super excited. He also wow. is a huge fan of garbage trucks. So it would so, make sense. Yeah. It was like yeah, it worked yeah. out very perfectly for him. So, yeah. I, I'm hearing all of this, just I'm, I'm putting out there. We want fan art, but you know what else mm. we want? We want cosplayers. Yes. I want to see these. Them. I want to see canes. I want to see uh, dueling canes and, and, and how elaborate and interesting they each make them based mm. on who their mm. character is and even maybe do some choreographed duels. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that um, it would be really cool. There's a character, and I don't know if this is spoilerific or not, but there's a character in book two who actually carries, he's a, like a professional dueler. Like that's what he does. And he carries the weapons of all of the trades, or not all the trades, sorry, of all of like the islands. And so when he duels somebody, he will duel with the same weapon that they use because he wants to prove that he's better than they are at their own weapon. Um, and that would be really awesome to see somebody come in, you know, decked out like this guy with all of the dueling all weapons, weapons attached to him. Oh, all weapons. So, so there's definitely a weapon for each island. That's a little sneak peek. Speaking of sneak peeks, because you don't know the secrets that we do for book two. I know nothing. I've been kept in the dark. But what did you, what, what would you think, what, what are you kind of anticipating will happen knowing how things have ended? Like, what do you hope for? Um, um, little circle dances, um, you know, frolicking from island to <laughs> island. Violence, guts, blood, of course. I mean, <laughs> conflict. Um, I, 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 in all seriousness, I am so in in awe of where this is going and mm -hmm. once again it's like i'm trying to be so so respectful of of book one and not not spoil anything but i mean mark you did things in the book that mm -hmm. it went places i wasn't expecting it to go and i was kind of like well man what's gonna happen now so i'm fascinated i don't know what's gonna happen i don't know what to expect except for seeing this major kahuna who's gonna show up with all these weapons yeah and now yeah. i'm kind of wondering what he sounds like for sure uh mark how how bloody and what how bloody is it gonna be you know like and what are some general themes that we can expect in book two well one of the notes jonah you gave me just like a couple months ago and you told me and instructed me add the increase the violence here just a tad and i hope i didn't increase it too much there right, um but up. Yeah, I, I cranked it a little bit. There is, <laughs> I think that if readers really enjoy, I mean, I hope that readers enjoy all of Sky's End, but 
once sky's end gets its momentum about midway through and then it just keeps going and going and going and my goal with book two and i hope readers feel the same way is that the second half of sky's end is all of among serpents it is relentless and vicious and surprising mm -hmm. and it's dealing with really really big big things and and conrad is in a position where he's really struggling you know with his new responsibilities that he has and 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 dealing with that while simultaneously be fighting these enormous external threats for sure there's a lot that we can't say but it's gonna be good it's gonna be great it's gonna be blood it's gonna be yeah everything that you're you're thinking of because and hopefully more and i think it'll be an exciting thing to to voice and perform i hope we we do you justice there i just um, i just sent mark a little bribe to oh, see if I can that's get how some you do hands. it you know, that's how you do it like behind the scenes behind the scenes um I do want to take a small moment to give a very special shout out to any of our listeners who may be librarians or media specialists. Thank you for your service to your local communities. I know from Mark's socials, uh, every copy available in his local school and public library is totally checked out and it's definitely circulating well. Isn't that right, Mark? Oh, yeah. It's been uh, anytime that the librarian at my school has been telling me anytime they get a copy and it's gone and like, 10 minutes like it's gone by the next prep period like or the next um, passing period so it's been pretty remarkable like looking into my like my, my classrooms and seeing all of the copies that are in there every single class period there's and like how many of my kids are going to be doing my book report and that's going to be the, the next book report that's due in march i mean like i might have like a whole bunch of book reports to show like on, on a social media post at some point in March, um, I have to get permission from the students to make sure that they're okay with it. But mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm going to have a I'm going to have a good number um, to share. It's been it's really cool too seeing the other kids because there were some kids you know they were like, well you know it's up to my parents whether or not I get a book, and I'm like, you can check one out at the library. They have them at the yeah, library, totally. and we legitimately have a library just across the street um, from us. It's right across the street so they can those ones have all been checked out i've heard that there is as of this morning i was talking to a colleague that there's a 27 week wait on the oh audio book gosh um so the they should probably oh, get wow. some more they should get some more uh, audiobook copies in the library <laughs> definitely that's pretty wild I mean, for the audio that's amazing too. Yeah. congratulations mark Thank That's you. incredible. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I'm also, but you know, libraries are like some of the most special places for me. I was a kid that grew up and moved around everywhere. And so every time we were in a new, I was in a new school, my first place of refuge was the library and the librarians who always made it special and, and cozy and felt like a second home for me. It was a welcome place, a welcoming place for me. And of course I was always escaping into books. So Definitely. librarians and libraries, y'all are, you're in my heart always. We love you. So. We love you librarians. We love you librarians and media yeah, specialists. And I, I had a, a cool experience with a library, librarian growing up. Um, it was, it was actually one of the things that really, you know, got me into reading. I was kind of a reluctant reader growing up and yeah um i remember i got in trouble with one of my teachers and she just was like so fed up with me she told me to go to the library 
Like she was just like, get out and go to the library. And so I went into the library and the librarian came over to me and started asking me questions. And she ended up directing me to, to, to several books to read. And I ended up reading like The Hobbit. I got into the Harry Potter series and it, it completely transformed like my whole journey because that was around the time when I started writing my first, you know, short stories. Um, so I have a, I have a lot, lot of gratitude for librarians. Yeah, that teacher that kicked you out to the library did you a huge favor. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you uh, for uh, punishing Mark and look where he is now. Yeah. <laughs> like send, that. Send, send that teacher a copy of the book. We, we, yeah, for sure. I, uh, wonder, I wonder about her sometimes. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe she does. Uh, yeah, definitely. You mentioned reluctant readers. Uh, Skies in is definitely a great pick for reluctant readers and fans of action ad adventure. Um, so, as a reminder, Skies in does have three star reviews. Uh, so, it would definitely make for a stellar addition to anybody's collection. And definitely check out that audiobook narrated by Vikas Adam for an exceptionally adventurous time because it's totally action adventure laden, horrifying monsters you know, brutal society underdog who's determined to rise to the top in spite of every bloody challenge, you know, that comes this way. And there's just so much blood and it's also so much fun. Uh, Sky's End is an instant New York Times bestseller. It's book one of the Above the Black Fantasy Trilogy published by Peachtree Teen. Edge your seat fantasy available now in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook narrated by Vikas Adam. Published by Listening Library. Uh, before we go on the Guest Book Podcast, we like to ask our guests to share some final words with our listeners. Vikas, we'll start with you. How would you like to sign the guest book? I would like to sign the guest book in celebration with the muses. And Mark, how would you like to sign the guest book? I would like to sign the guest book with just a message that you should always chase your dreams and the things that make you happy. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you guys for listening to the guest book podcast. Happy reading. Happy listening.